Welcome to the CEO Lawyer Podcast. I'm your host, Ali Awad, the CEO Lawyer, with my co-host, Yusuf Kroma. This is the show where we talk about law, life, and business. Now let's get started. So today, I just wanted it to be an introductory show. I want to tell you a little bit about my story and why I decided to become the CEO Lawyer. But before we get into all that, I want to introduce my man, Yusuf Kroma, who we've actually known each other for a couple of years. I'm going to let him take the stage for a little bit, tell you a little bit about himself. All right, this is your brother Yusuf Kroma, writer, author, spoken word artist. I recently joined the Ali Awad CEO Lawyer team, and I'm really excited. Um, I grew up in Philadelphia, PA, went to LaSalle University, studying leadership and global understanding, graduated from Al-Azhar, and now I'm making it happen with the team, and I'm excited to be building and supporting my brother Ali. And we have the CEO Lawyer podcast, the dopest podcast in the universe, none like it. I have to make that clear before you know. Well, I mean, it's all about your interview skills, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so we got to go in and just, let's just get right to it, man. Excellent. I, I, people have asked me this question. So we talk to a lot of lawyers and we teach lawyers how to build virtual law firms, get them up to eight figures. We obviously run a personal injury law firm. And one of the questions that I've gotten was, how do I attract someone like you? Because you're our PR director. You know, public relations is a very important thing for any business. You're essentially gonna be the community builder, the organizer. You're the guy that gets things done in the face of the organization on a, on a community outreach level. So this is a question that came up, which was how does a law firm owner or an entrepreneur or a business owner attract someone like you with your talents to be able to help them grow? And I wanted to ask you that before we got into all the other questions. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, for me, it was a no-brainer. Uh, they say that success attracts success, you know, and uh, greatness mirrors greatness. So when I saw you and what you were building, I, I saw like a vision for myself in that part of the big picture. And after one conversation with you, I know that you're a man that are, are, is loyal to your team, that you are make good on your promises, and it shows in your work, work ethic, and it shows in your name. You know, so once it was a no-brainer for me. Once I saw that, I knew that I have talents that I can contribute to a bigger picture. That you know, if you want, as you said before in, in a recent uh, quote, that if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. So I know that I, we will be stronger together as a team. Um, you know, so I, I know that you are big on business models and talent acquisition. How did you go about structuring your business in a way I can, you know, turn it back to you in a way that does attract, uh, you know, talented people. So what would you advise entrepreneurs or CEOs, people that are looking to, to attract great talent to their organization? What do you think they should do for someone like you to feel like, you know what, I can be a part of this organization, I wanna grow with them. What should they be doing before they get someone like you? The first thing is to have your ducks aligned in a row. Like you don't wanna be in the building phase necessarily and trying to attract great talent. When they get there, you're still trying to get your stuff together. You know, first have a, a vision, have a, a system in place, have a plan in place, have a vision board for where you want to go so you can take someone on a journey step by step. This is where we're going to be in the next 5, 10, 20 years. And then even if it is in your initial stages, you know in your mind where you're going to go. And if somebody has the intelligence and is a visionary, they will be like, okay, I can take this journey with you. And to be completely honest and transparent and not sell somebody dreams that you can't, you know, um, that you can't deliver on. So I said that's the first step. And also, a lot of people are shy about winning a shy about greatness yeah so humility sometimes it can be a shackle you know because if you're not showing that you're winning you won't attract other winners you know people it's like an, even the nba in any sports and team sports people want to go with a winning team with a championship team yeah so if i see you 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 know got four rings on your finger man i want a super bowl ring too you know so, yeah no humility can sometimes get in the way definitely. of your i don't want to say your inspiration but I would I would say humility can get in the way of your potential sure so it's good to be humble yeah. I, I, I agree I 100% think humility has its place but there's also a time and place for showing what showing the world what you're capable yeah, of definitely. so that you can attract people and get closer to that vision and that ultimate goal right. so so you're saying all right get your ducks in a row and okay if you think that I got all my ducks in a row then you're in for a surprise <laughs> <laughs> but no I mean I, I do have a vision I do have a plan yeah. But, you know, for, for anyone that, that is trying to build that rock star team, what, someone like you who's already an entrepreneur, who's already established, alhamdulillah, that's got the, 
the you know is already an established author and writer and spoken word and you know essentially an influencer Muslim influencer and an Islamic arts Islamic teacher like you've already accomplished so much yeah. and so what would make you or someone like you who's already got these dreams and ambitions say okay I feel like there's a place for me with this organization because I think we can grow together. What was that catalyst? That's exactly what you said, an organization. So for many years, I've been a lone wolf. I've traveled all over the world. I've performed in front of different audiences. I've published books. I've done it. And sometimes it's like in terms of um, payment or whatever is lucrative in that time, but it's not sustainable. You know, when COVID hit, everything went dead. I had maybe uh, $40,000 in bookings and that went dead within two weeks. So now the, the pandemic happened, the world is changing. Now, how do you continue that hustle? So that's one of the benefits of having a team, having an organization, you have a system in place, ideas in mind for when things happen, you can go farther and further. So for me, that's what it was, having an organization, having a team, and having somebody that you genuinely love and like to be around. I and mean, we talked about this with a videographer before, but I think you want to be around your team. So for me, it was natural. The first time we ever met, I'm like, this brother has greatness. You know, so sometimes this, you know, as the Prophet Sallallahu he talks about in a hadith that um, there are two types of friends or two types of companions. You have a, a friend that's like a perfumer and a friend that's like a blacksmith. And a perfumer, just by being around the perfumer, either he's going to give you perfume or by being in his proximity, you're going to smell good. Yeah. And the blacksmith, either he's going to burn you uh, purposely or unpurposely or by being in his proximity, you're going to smell like smoke. Okay. You know, so having somebody that's, 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 that's great, that's focus and has a drive, it's going to rub off on you, you know? So, so be a, a perfumer. Be a perfumer. So as an artist, as a creative, my creative mind is constantly running, but that doesn't necessarily always trans translate into the best business decision. And I know you are a masterful businessman. Uh, and I think it's in your blood, the Palestinians, man. I've been <laughs> hanging around some Palestinians and I see that the hustle and the business uh, acumen is just unbelievable. So, Well, look, you know, you've known me for... You've spent the past several weeks with me. You kind of have been able to see a little bit of the inside scoop. What are some questions that have come up? Because I know that you've had some questions for me in the past. And I said, no, let's save it to the podcast. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, you've, you've, you've had some issues. You're like, you know what? I, I want to talk about this a little bit. I said, no, let's save it for the podcast. So I want to give the audience at least a little bit of insight as to, you know, you spent a little bit of time with me. We've been close together for for several weeks now, going on several months. Mm -hmm. So... What are some things that have come to your mind? We don't have to go from the very beginning, like what I was doing at sure, age five. Sure, sure. But you know, what are some things that have come to your mind that you think would be beneficial for people to listen to and, and know about? Yeah, definitely. I mean, just not necessarily age five, but at what point did you know that entrepreneurship, that business, that it was something that you had a knack for, it was something that you wanted to do? You know, some people at young ages, like I want to be a doctor, I want to be, a, you know, um, engineer or whatever the case may be. I want to be. I'm at a guy who wants to be a zoologist or whatever the case may be. At what point did you know, I want to be a businessman? Or did somebody influence you? Did you have a spark or a moment of inspiration? What happened? That's a great question. There's a lot of things that are going through my mind right now. And even as you were asking that question, I wanted to think about what's the best way to, to formulate a response so that I don't get lost in the weeds because there's, there's so many rabbit holes that I can go down. But the thing that's blaring out at me right now is this. Sometimes you know what you want to do. You know what you're capable of. But you've never had your mind formulated into words so that you could express what it is that you want. And that's really why I love reading books. Because I feel like I have a lot of knowledge. But when I read it or I read a stoic that puts something into writing or this famous author that puts something into words... Now I can verbalize and illustrate exactly what my mindset is. So for the longest time, I knew I was an entrepreneur. I knew that this is what I was in my blood. Even at age five, I was printing off pictures of Dragon Ball Z characters. And, and this was back in 1995 when, when you'd use the internet, there was only like seven images that would pop up. You type in Krillin, Dragon Ball Z picture or whatever. Every day you go up there, oh, someone else uploaded a new photo. That's how early the internet was. And I distinctly remember that at age five. I would print that off. I would cut the URL off the bottom so people wouldn't know my source. Mm -hmm. I would put it into a plastic sleeve and then I would sell them at school. Wow. That was my hustle at age five. Now, the truth is that I had never succeeded in business 
prior to law school. Mm -hmm. Not true success in business. I could make money, but money is not success. Mm -hmm. Having a system in place that could allow you to live your life and spend as much time as you want doing whatever you want with whomever you want while your finances are still taking care of themselves, mm -hmm. that's financial success. So it's not working for your money, but letting your money work for you. And so the reason I say that is because up until about age 26, 27, the person that was my number one supporter, the person that I thought was going to always have my back no matter what, didn't believe in me as an entrepreneur. And it was my mom. And I, from, from, that, from that moment, not from the first time she told me this, but from all of the moments and opportunities that she gave me to tell me, like go and work with your degree. Mm -hmm. Don't go and try to start your own business because we had never been successful oh, in business. Sure, yeah. So she's coming from a place of love and telling me like, hey, you're my son, I'm looking out for you. I want you to work with your degree because that's the safe zone. And I know that successful lawyers and, and, and accountants and doctors go and work with a big company and then that's how they become successful because you've got your retirement plan, you've got your benefits, you've got your salary that's there for you, you've got your, all of these additional incentives included in your employment. And she wanted that for me. But I came of the approach, why can't I be the one that builds that company? Why do I have to go and work for someone in that company when I can be the one that builds that organization? And so the truth is there was never a spark or an inspiration that led me towards entrepreneurship. It was a culmination mm -hmm. of feeling like no one really believed in me, so I had to believe in me. Yeah. And things changed when I bought my mom a brand new Benz. Of course, yeah. When I got her for Mother's Day, it was in May 2018, I went to the Mercedes dealership, and wallah al -azim, bro, I have, I have so many stories where I feel like God was directly trying to tell me this is the right thing to do especially when it came down to op situations where I was taking care of my family. One of them was when I was at the Mercedes dealership. I was in the process of signing the paperwork to get my mom this brand new Mercedes. And the reason for the Mercedes, we can, we can talk about that at another show. Yeah, yeah. I want you to ask me about the Mercedes story. Okay, Why is okay, it so okay. significant? Because there's a story for it, okay? You gotta write these down. All right. <laughs> um, while I was at the dealership, I got a call on a case that I had been working on for about 18, 20 months. This case was rejected by another law firm. And usually when a case is rejected or turned down, it means there's no money there. Sure. I investigated the case and I thought, you know what, it's worth fighting for this client because I think there's something there. And I, I felt like maybe we're gonna walk away with zero dollars, we might get somewhat of an offer, but I expected it to settle for zero. Like in terms of our expected settlement calculations, I put it at zero because I like, you know, anything that comes in is gonna be good. Yeah. I got an offer on that case while I was at the Mercedes dealership. Wow. The offer was three times more than the value of the car. Wow. While I was at the dealership. It was a sign. It was a sign. Mm -hmm. It was like, you're gonna get rewarded immediately, not in the hereafter, but immediately for taking care of your parents. Mm -hmm. And we have this phrase that we live by where paradise lies beneath the feet of your mothers. Mm -hmm. So I knew that I wanted to take care of my mom but what I didn't realize was I got something so much more valuable, which was her belief in me as an entrepreneur. And so I always like to say, no one will believe in you. No one will believe in you unless you believe in you. Once you start believing in yourself and you genuinely have a plan of action, you know what it's going to take and you execute, then other people are going to follow in that dream. And so, after I did that and I got her the new car, things kind of started shaking out and started, you know, started getting a little bit easier. And I would say that, you know, another big catalyst was working for someone that did not take care of me. So I worked as an attorney from 2015 to 2017 before I started my law firm. For about 14 months, I worked for this law firm and they would never pay me my bonuses. Mm. They would put me in situations where I was doing way more than I was expected to do and I wouldn't get paid for it. I was basically doing the job of five people. I was the number one performer in the entire law firm. I was bringing in more cases than everyone else. And I just felt like I was getting nickel and dimed every step of the way. Yeah. And the, the straw that literally broke the camel's back 
me being Arab, you know, we like to talk about camels. Mm -hmm. But the straw that broke the camel's back was I drove 50 miles one way to go to a hearing for court. And it wasn't my hearing, it was his hearing that he forgot about. He just needed me to fill in. So I drove all the way over there. And when I got there, I was looking at the docket and they were saying, okay, well, there's no hearing today. Oh my God. I'm like, what happened? He's like, oh man, I totally forgot. It got postponed. I said, okay, well, you know, can I just, I have the company card. Can I fill up gas and drive back? He's like, sure. So I went to the gas station and I literally, I spent like 20, 30 bucks in gas. And then I bought one chicken biscuit and a coffee. It's like $3 and 18 cents. Mm -hmm. And when I got back, he started bitching me out for spending the $3 on the coffee and the, you know, and I'm like, look, man, I'm, I'm putting wear and tear on my car. I'm driving a hundred miles round trip for a hearing that I wasn't even supposed to go to, you know, like, he, and he, 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 he knew the price of everything, but the value of nothing. And so I'm really thankful for that opportunity to work there because I learned how not to treat people. And maybe the reason why I wasn't successful as an entrepreneur before I became a lawyer was because I didn't know how to work with people. I didn't know how to treat people. I didn't know how to take care of my employees and my team. I didn't know how to incentivize them properly. I didn't know how to communicate with them properly. I didn't know what mattered to other people. And so only when you live in those shoes, and I'm not too far detached and too far removed from being poor. I know what it's like to be hungry. I know what it's like to have your lights cut off. I know what it's like to have to take furniture from the side of the road because you don't want to spend any money because you need to keep your costs down. I know what it's like to live with a roommate spending $300 a month in rent. I know what it's like to build a multi-million dollar business from the trunk of your car and be constantly paranoid that if you get in an accident, you can lose your entire business. I know what that's like. And so I live my life and my business moves understanding that I need to take care of those around me because if you want to go far, you have to go with a team. If you want to go fast, you go by yourself. Mm -hmm. And I want to go far. And that's why I'm an entrepreneur. Okay. So leading up to this decision, I'm an entrepreneur. Before you get into law school, well, I want to know what are some of the things that transitioned you into going to law school? I know you're a man of many talents. I know you ran different businesses. Yeah. You talk about tire shop selling rims you know like so i want to know that process that journey because a lot of people see you now as a successful ceo and you make it look so easy but a lot of people don't know the backstory that leads up to the success like what were some of the the knit and grit the trials and tribulations that that got you here today okay i'm going to share something here that i don't think anyone has really heard or i've never really like explained it fully and it's it's so important that you understand timing in business mm -hmm and timing in life. If you're too early on something, you could go broke before it materializes. Mm -hmm. And if you're too late on something, you could have just missed the wave. Mm -hmm. Now it's better to be a little too late than too early because with enough grit and money and fortitude and relentlessness, you can catch up. Mm -hmm. But if you're too early, you might run out of resources before things happen because you can't time the market. Timing was the main reason why I think the CEO lawyer brand and my company got to where it was. Because in 2016, I was looking at the state of the legal industry mm -hmm. and there was no legal influencer. Mm -hmm. There was Dr. Oz, you know, right. for the medical side. Mm -hmm. They had the Dr. Pimple Popper who had her own show. There were obviously politicians and they were financial gurus. They were motivational speakers. Mm -hmm. They had entrepreneurs, like all of the, like there were a bunch of professional entrepreneurs and gurus and drop shippers and Amazon, all that stuff but there was no legal influencer. So I decided to create that category. And the reason I wanted to create that category was because in 2008, when I was, dry, when I was finishing up high school, I wanted to be an actor. Mm. My whole life, up until I got to college, I just wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be in Hollywood movies. I wanted to be in front of the camera. I wanted to be the action. You know, I have a black belt, so I know I can, you know, do some karate moves and be exciting. And that's what I wanted to do. Here's why timing is so important and why your purpose is way more important than your passion. Timing in 2008, there was no TikTok. There was no Instagram. Facebook was still in its infancy. So there was not an opportunity, especially Vine. Vine is dead now. There was not an opportunity for someone to take out their phone and become an influencer just and go viral and become famous just from their phone. In 2008, that was not available. Okay? So what did I do? 
I went to the Art Institute of Atlanta. My dad took me to the college to see all these people. I looked at all these artsy people and I'm like, yo, these people don't look like me. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I'm just not, you know, the type of person that's going to sit here and just, you know, think about creativity all the time. I'm an executor. Like, I want to get work done. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to go to college. I'm like, look, in the meantime, I'll get a degree to appease my parents, but I'm gonna still work in the car audio shop. So I was working and selling car audio and wheels while I was in college. I maintained a 4.0 through college. I even moved to another city to finish up my bachelor's degree. And there, I opened up another car audio shop in the mall in that city, in Kennesaw, while I was going to college. So I wanted to work and basically go to school just to fill in my schedule. But in the back of my mind, I just knew I wanted to be something bigger than a car audio salesman. My oldest brother, Ibrahim, he went to law school and I saw that he had a real passion for this. He had been in mock trial, he had been doing this stuff since high school. And he really inspired me because he showed me that there was a way to be successful as a lawyer without having to go to court and be in trial all the time because that's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a boss. But more importantly, I wanted respect. Like I didn't feel like as an, as a, an immigrant, as an Arab, that I was getting the respect as an entrepreneur, it didn't, it didn't have the same ring to it. Like in our culture, it's doctor, lawyer, engineer, pick two. You know what I mean? So I didn't feel like I was fulfilling my potential by just being a car audio salesman or a wheel salesman. Not that there's anything wrong with it. In fact, I love that stuff way more than I love, you know, sending demand letters to insurance companies. But I wanted something a little bit more. So I went to law school, honestly, just to not be a car audio salesman for the rest of my life. I was like, you know what? There's, there's a, a path of less resistance there. It's easier than med school because it's only a three-year commitment. Mm -hmm. And as I was finishing up my undergrad and starting law school, I was studying abroad in a lot of countries. I studied abroad in China, learned how to speak Mandarin. I studied abroad in Mexico. I'm still fluent in, in, in Spanish. I studied abroad in Brazil. I studied abroad in Turkey. I was doing all these study abroad trips because I wanted to travel and learn and, and have fun. I was like, if, if I can't do what I want, I might as well have fun. Yeah, yeah. So when law school finished up, social media started kicking in. Snapchat started getting a little bit more, you know, uh, it started becoming more of a leverage platform, started getting that traction. I started creating more videos on Snapchat. Whenever I would travel, I would post, I would vlog, I would show people about, oh, here's what I'm doing at this airport in Istanbul or, hey, check out this street food in China. And I started getting followers and I started getting engagement. And I was like, this is pretty much like building the brand that I wanted to have in 2008. Wow. Like I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be a performer. And here I am doing it right now from my phone. It didn't really click until years later in 2016. So it took eight years for the technology to catch up for me to be able to fulfill the dreams the way I wanted to fulfill them. And now... I'm acting in front of cameras all the time. Yeah. I'm acting in front of my clients. Today I handed a client a check for $440,000 at the office. What a beautiful feeling. We got, you know, we were able to get a beautiful testimonial from this from this family. Yeah. They're still living in an apartment. They wanted to go and buy a home for the first yeah. time. You know, and I'm 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 legitimately living my dreams that I had as a child, but not the way that I had initially intended, not the way that I had initially planned. So I say all that to say this. If you have a true purpose, you know, hey, I have a talent and I have a, 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 a personality that I want to share with the world, sometimes the timing is just incorrect. Mm. Don't lose your purpose because of improper timing. Mm. Keep that purpose and keep pushing it in other ways and build up your skill set because by the time it's the appropriate time to execute, you have so many other skills yeah to bring forth and show the world. And so I was just, I always say that if I would have been born eight years later, I probably would not be a lawyer. I, would have, I wouldn't have missed the wave. I probably would not have gone to law school. I probably would just be a TikTok influencer, for real, because I love that stuff. Like, it's fun, I'm an actor. I get, and it would be cool to get paid to just create videos and be vlogging, like that would be really cool. I could see that all day, man. I would do it, but I was just a little bit older. So it's like, so for the younger generation, so you know, I'm 31 right now, for the younger generation that are in their early 20s, mid 20s, or late teens, man, like you really need to pay attention to how social media works and how it can be leveraged. Mm.
because if you have a true passion that you want to fulfill and you feel like there's a there's a purpose that you want to bring to the world you have everything at your fingertips with just the phone mm -hmm. and i didn't have that when i graduated high school it, it literally wasn't there so i just in the meantime i got my degrees i learned multiple languages i started multiple businesses and that's that really brings me to this point as so many people wait around exactly. for an opportunity to come up mm. when I know that the opportunity will eventually come up. So maximize your time in between. In the meantime, build up your skills. Mm -hmm. You have to skill up before you scale up. Mm. Build up those skills so that you have so many tools in that toolbox. I, you know, as a young kid, I knew that I could be dropped off anywhere in the world and I would figure out a way to be successful because I could learn the language like that. I can figure out a way to sell, even if I'm selling elotes in the corner, you know, pushing a little cart, yeah. you know, ice cream cart, you know, in China or Mexico, wherever, I know I could figure it out. You know what I mean? Because I had the skills and I had the ability to communicate with people. But you couple that with a high barrier to entry business or an industry like law mm -hmm. or medicine or high level accounting, financial planning, couple that with a personality and charisma and social media, now you've got some serious serious damage potential mm. you know so yeah there was uh there the behind the scenes stuff was really just me figuring out a way to live out those dreams that i wanted to have as a kid which were i wanted to be an actor i wanted to have fun on video and i wanted to be famous and now i get to do it while also having a respectable career so alhamdulillah it all worked out yeah i mean everything is perfect timing uh something i wanted to talk about was this story i mentioned i heard you mention a few times about um uh, somebody owing you money and you go to collect on that money and they're threatening your life. Yeah, so here's another thing that you have to understand. The sooner you make mistakes, the sooner you have failures, mm -hmm. the quicker you can learn from them. So I live by that for myself, for my family, and for my employees. I expect my team to make mistakes. I encourage you to make mistakes as quickly as possible. Not intentionally. I don't want you to intentionally screw me I want you to be willing to make mistakes because if everything is in your control you're not growing fast enough so you want things to be a little bit out of control a little bit crazy a little bit hectic so things kind of slip through the cracks and only when you make mistakes does it expose your vulnerabilities and depending on the size of the ouch the the size of the pain will determine how much you're going to do to fix it so I like to push things to the limit and seeing where things start breaking. And that's where we fortify our system and our infrastructure. So in, at age 18, it's so funny that you mentioned this, bro. Because at 18, I opened up a company called AMD Wholesalers. Uh, Awad Master Distributor Wholesalers. And I was just wholesaling car audio. And I literally took my mom's car, filled it up with speakers, capacitors, amplifiers, radios, TVs, basically all these 12 volt electronics for cars. And I took it from Dalton, drove up to Chattanooga and visited five different car audio shops and just sell them wholesale from my car. Wow. Why? Because I had learned how to buy electronics at wholesale, at deep wholesale pricing, especially with working online and negotiating with big distributors. So I had like a 15 to 25% margin that I could make money off mm. of. And they could buy from me locally, plus the convenience of serving them and you know having that great customer service right up front, it would make more sense for them to buy from me. So the crazy thing was, when I started AMD Wholesalers, I asked a friend of mine from high school, hey man, how about we partner up on this business? Okay, I, this is in high school. This is in high school, yeah. Oh yeah, senior year in high school. How about we partner up on this business? I will, I set up an email for him you know, I'm not going to mention his name because I actually just ran into him literally two days ago. Wow. Yeah, I haven't seen him in years. Wow, wow. Literally ran into him two, two, two days ago. And I couldn't help but think, like, what if he had acted differently? Wow. And here's what happened. The day we were planning on going to see all of these distributors, the day I had my car loaded up with all the electronics, the amplifiers, the capacitors, the radios, the TVs, everything, the day that we were supposed to start our business and go and get that money, he ditched out on me. Hey, oh man, sorry, bro, I can't make it. Well, why not, man? Oh man, just things came up. Wow. The crazy thing was, even at 18, I wasn't disappointed. Even, at, even as a teenager, I knew that what I was trying to accomplish was not something that other people are comfortable with. Sure, yeah. 
So I drove up to Chattanooga myself. Hmm. I went and made $600 selling stuff from the trunk of my car. And I quickly realized after one return, like one person bought a TV and then they installed it incorrectly and they asked for a return, I realized that the wholesale business is not a business that I wanted to be yeah, in. Sure. <laughs> unless you do big yeah, quantities. Quantity, yeah. You can't go and make $60 off of a $600 sale and you know spend $20 in gas and spend your entire day. It's just yeah, not a smart not business sure. decision. Mm -hmm. So I decided, all right, I'm only going to sell the products that I have really high margins in that have a low likelihood of being damaged, like electronics that go bad, and a strong manufacturer warranty. So if they buy something that goes bad, if they're buying in bulk, all right, send it back to me, I'll get it back to the manufacturer. In bulk, it makes sense. So I got the attention of this car audio shop in New Orleans. And they were like, yo, we like your stuff. You know, we want to buy this, this brand that you have because I was an exclusive distributor for this brand. Remind me to tell you about Elf Audio and how we bought an entire company from China. It's a crazy story. I did it when I was like 17 with my brothers. Um, we bought this Elf Audio equipment. And the first time I went, I loaded up my truck. I went with my dad and we drove to New Orleans. Actually, I went with my brother too. We drove to New Orleans Georgia. from Georgia with a truckload of car audio. And when we got there, I actually sold a set of those speakers for $1,000 for one of their customers. Wow. Their cost was like $60. Hmm. I had these speakers. I said, look, I'm going to sell these to you for 60. Let me talk to the customer and I'll sell it to them for 1,000 because that's how much they're worth. Cold, man. We made the sale. His installer started installing it. They're like, all right, okay. I can see that you guys have you know, good stuff. So we're going to buy it. And these are literally Palestinian Muslims that I was doing business with. We literally prayed side by side, you know, went to the mosque together. They gave me a bunch of checks and, you know, went home, cashed the checks, everything was good. They postponed the checks because that's kind of how we did business, right? Like, hey, I can't pay you 20 grand right now, but I can pay you two grand a week for the next 10 weeks. Cool, run it, I trust you. That's how you build credit with businesses. Sure, yeah. Same way that credit cards do it, it's just a little bit more, you know, modernized and pro uh, processed, right? So. A few months later, they want to make another order. I go down, this time I go by myself. Load up the car, $25,000 worth of merchandise, maybe like 27. But I know that they paid me, I think like 2,000 when I got there. They gave me all these checks, everything was good. Okay, cool, salamu alaikum, went back home, deposited the first check, and it bounced. Mm. Yo, what's going on? Hey man, sorry bro, that account actually got you know shut down. I'm gonna send you some new checks. Okay, well, so what's, what's the deal? You just gave me a bunch of checks from an account that was closed. Oh, no, my bad, bro. I got you. Don't even worry about it. Okay. A week goes by. Hey, man, that we, you know, we got that account opened back up, man. Go ahead and deposit that other check. All right, deposit the check. Boom. Unsufficient, non-sufficient funds. Another $35 fee. Mm. Like, man, at this point, I'm losing money. Exactly, yeah. They dragged me along. They strung me along for months. I remember telling him on the phone, hey, bro, I feel like you're conning me here, you know? And he got so angry. He was like, man, you calling me a con artist? Nah, man. Fuck you, all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. Like, he went off on me. I'm like, bro, I thought we were brothers. We were Muslims. What's going on? And now all of a sudden it switched up. He went all gangster on me. He was like, yeah, come back here. I'll pull a bullet in your head. And that's when I realized I don't want to be in the car audio business anymore. In fact, I don't want to be in any business where a check can bounce. I don't want to do anything where my work may not get paid. And so from that point on, I really tried to spend time in businesses where there was a high likelihood that I'm going to get paid in full mm -hmm. and the returns are very, very low. And that's where I started doing a lot more in e-commerce sales. Okay. So I started selling stuff on eBay, online, on the website that was just, you know, hey, it's one and done deal, final sale. We give you a really, really good discount. It's guaranteed that it works, but there's no likelihood that you're going to be able to return it. If there is a return, very, very slim chance. So I could eat that cost if it were ever to happen. Um, so from age like 19 to 22, I'm learning how to hustle, learning how to do different businesses, trying to figure out what I wanted. And I know that you had this question too about how do you decide what to do if you have exactly. all these tasks, and if you have all these like skills and everything, how do you decide what to do? Well, that's going to be on our next podcast yeah. about um, the riches and the niches. Yeah. But, um, you know, the, the bottom line is I got ripped off for $25,000 uh, at 19 years old. I learned the hard way that there's genuinely people out there that are scumbags, they're con artists, they want to take advantage of you. And if you put yourself around bad people, you're going to get bad results. And you know, picking the right type of business is really important. And no amount of money is worth your life.
So it just didn't matter how much money I could possibly make in that business because at 19, making 25 grand a lick, like per transaction, okay, I could take that hit and move on. Exactly. But realizing some, some of these people, because let's be real, man, some of the car audio businesses and salespeople, they're not the most educated and most highfalutin people. So they probably just drug dealers that decided, like, let me create a cash business so I can you know, funnel a little bit of money and clean it up. Just like car washes and just like any cash business, laundromats, things like that. Everybody knows this stuff. So I didn't want to be associated with that. Sure. I realized that there's just other opportunities elsewhere. That was, I mean, that was very uh, astute of you to know when to get out the game. Because somebody else would have probably went down there and made a ruckus, whatever the case may be. And there have been situations where people lose their life like that. It could have been a very real thing. Um, it's unfortunate, but it's just a, a learning lesson. Uh, something I want to draw out, flesh out, you said earlier, was that putting your purpose before your passion. Uh, I always thought that the two were one and the same. So could you elucidate that? Yeah, so I think passion is for amateurs. Mm. When you're passionate about something, it's just because it gets you excited. It's just because it's a selfish motivation. It's, you know what, I'm passionate about this. Like I really want to do this for myself because I like to do this for myself, whereas purpose is for others. Wow. And you only really maximize your life when you find the purpose in serving others. You know, I don't know which Stoic it was or which philosopher it was that said, it might have even been Muhammad Ali, shout out to Muhammad Ali. Hey. He said, um, you know, uh, true life is, is in the service of others. And, you know, you think that money doesn't buy happiness. Anyone who says that hasn't given enough away, yeah. you know. So I think passion is selfish. Passion is for you. Passion is something that you want to do for yourself, for your own financial, motivational, inspirational needs. Whereas purpose is what the world needs of you. And so I think it's important to recognize the difference between the two. My passion is to make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. My passion is to be financially successful and free and be able to travel the world and be able to just have a lot of fun. But my purpose is to elevate others. That's why my business has so many people in so many different roles and positions mm -hmm. because my purpose in life is to serve as a new benchmark, as a new standard for aspiring Muslim entrepreneurs and Arab professionals and immigrants that think, hey man, it is possible to build a, a, a generic, it is possible to build a real business. Mm -hmm. And I can always, always have the ability to just say, you know what? I just want to do this for myself. I'm going to just, whatever leads I get in, I just refer them to other lawyers and they pay me a referral check. I can do that. I can have a much more profitable business and a much more profitable life if I focused only on my passion. Mm. I like making money. Everybody likes making money. Everything's easier when you make money. But recently I realized my business, my law firm is not for me. Mm. It's for my team. Wow. Because I'm focusing it around my purpose, which is to elevate others which is to bring other people up because my, my financial and basic needs are met. I don't really need more houses, more cars, more luxury goods. I don't need any of that. But when you start doing that for other people and you start changing other people's lives, that's purpose. That's real. So when you're thinking about what you want to do for the rest of your life, don't focus so much on your own passion. Focus on what the world needs from you. And that's your purpose. Hmm. And I want, I want to get into some deep things with you a bit for a moment. What's up? You have a certain level of principalities and a certain ethos, a certain integrity about you that perhaps you, it may be commonplace, familiar, but to others watching you, it's very grandiose. It's big, man. Like There's certain things that you did even at the CEO Lawyer Summit I haven't spoken to you about, but I it, it made a major impact on the people around you. Uh, one thing in particular was uh, when there was like alcohol brought into the summit, and you made an announcement in front of what, what another lawyer told me is the who's who's of lawyers with like, you know, million dollar, billion dollar firms, you know, these great individuals and tell them like, we're not doing this here. And this is a moral decision for me. Even somebody as me that's trained in the background of Islamic law and all the other stuff, I may not have the, you know, the fortitude to just step up there and say, yo, we're not doing that. For me, I can say personally, I'm, I'm good off that. I'm not going to indulge in that. But what gives you the, you know, the, I don't even know what it, what's the, the terminology for it, just to stand up there and say, listen, this is who I am. 
I'm unapologetic about my beliefs. I'm not going to shy away from even being Palestinian, being Muslim, and being Ali Awad. This is who I am. I know many people who, in your position, become very shy and meek uh, to speak about what their purpose is, what their beliefs are, what their principles are. So what makes you this way? Um, it's great to have strong faith. I use my religion as my guideline, mm-hmm. right? But honestly, it's, it's actually simpler than that. Um, I just look at it and say, would my mom be proud of this? Oh, wow. That's it. That's, that's, that's what makes it easier. And now it's, it's even easier because I, I'm married and I live with my wife. And so what would make my wife proud? Mm-hmm. You know, what would make my son proud? What would make my family proud? You know, we're Muslim, we're Palestinian. My son is half Syrian. Mm-hmm. What would make my family proud? And it just so happens to be the same thing that would make God proud wow. of me, you know, as a servant. And that's, that was really it. Like, I felt so embarrassed when they were rolling the carts of alcohol into the summit because I thought I made it crystal clear that I'm not paying for any alcohol. I don't endorse it. I'm not even allowed to touch it. So why are you rolling this in? They said, oh, well, you paid for the servers. You paid for the bartenders, but, you know, it's a cash bar. I'm like, well, if I paid for the bartenders, that means I helped pay for this. Mm -hmm. So I don't even want to have the look of it being associated with me. Even if I didn't pay for it, Mm -hmm. I said, get everything out. It doesn't matter what it costs. It doesn't matter what it... Because look, man, if you don't stand up for something, you're going to fall for anything. Mm -hmm. Anything is going to make you fall. And so I just... I didn't feel like that was a... That was just me being me. Yeah. Like I didn't feel like, oh man, I'm doing this for the culture. I'm just, no man, it's just I'm just being myself. And I, I honestly think like I've I've earned the right to be able to just be myself. Yeah. And part of this podcast, the goal of this podcast is to talk about just how I think and, and who I am. And um, you know, I have some very strong beliefs about my religion and my culture and my people, and um, I have some uh, some deep rooted knowledge and experience with different cultures and different people from different faiths and different backgrounds. And, you know, I, I just feel like no one great, no one ever became great by just doing the bare minimum. Sure, yeah. You know, I'm trying to go after greatness, bro. When you see like someone like Muhammad Ali yeah. and you see his gloves like that, you know, and you, you see someone that stood for mm-hmm. things in his prime, you know, in the prime of his career, he stood up for the, um, the war and decided that he's not going to go and fight an enemy overseas in Vietnam because his enemies are right here. Yeah, sure. And, you know, uh, I'm doing it at a much, much lesser scale. Much, much less. I'm literally saying, mm, no, I don't want that. Mm-hmm. Or, you know what, mm, I'm going to post this on social media. Mm-hmm. This is our fight. In, in our culture, in our society, in 2022 and beyond, our fight is literally what we post on social media. And if you can't at least do that, then you have no voice. You have no purpose. You have no influence. You have nothing. And I don't want my children to think their dad is nothingness. Mm. So I focus on making sure that my, my family and my people are proud because that's the easiest way to judge things, you know? Even if your faith is not the strongest that it could be is because God is not visible but your parents are. And you can always imagine what it's like when your mom looks at you and she's disappointed. And man, that, that feeling of disappointment, like you let her down or your wife, you let her down. Knowing that you, you very well could have had that in your control. You could have changed it so easily, but you didn't do it. I don't want to ever have that feeling of disappointment. And so I think it's the, the size of the ouch of the disappointment that makes the action bigger, you know? Well, that was beautiful, man. And, and just like step Muhammad Ali stepping up and speaking truth to power, that was just in his nature. It was indicative of who he was. And I think, you know, that's, it's greatness. It's a part of greatness to be unapologetically who you are. And even on social media, people live their entire lives based upon what people think, what people may say, how people view them. So having disappointment in you, letting somebody down, it's a big deal. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. you know this is a big deal. So... To be like, I've earned a right to be unapologetically who I am, that's major. You know, in our society, in our, you know, what we, we know we're not on Muhammad Ali level, yeah. but that's, a, that's something great, man. Alhamdulillah. Um, 
So yeah, and just I was listening to other people speak about that, and it was, it was a big deal, man. Well, I, it was. I actually did it the first time in 2019 at a much smaller scale. So I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you a little bit about um, when things actually matter. Be prepared for them, yeah. and sometimes that means starting smaller. Every major company, every major organization, every major influencer, athlete, celebrity, pick anything that's the greatest ever at what they did. They all started small. So Amazon started, you know, he got a loan from his dad for 300 grand, right? Apple started from the garage. Like This is still humble beginnings for a multi-trillion dollar business. But the CEO lawyer started from the trunk of my car, February 13th, 2017. The CEO Lawyer Summit, the first one was October of 2019, where I had maybe 50 or 70 people that I had invited locally and some, some flew in from other states. And so when I did the first private dinner, I made it clear because in front of a group of 20, 30 people, it's easy to make that declaration. Hey, this is who I am and I'm unapologetic mm -hmm. about it. So when the time came to do that in front of hundreds of people, I had the confidence. I knew this is what I did last time and it, and it, it, it worked. And this is what I'm going to do again. So inshallah, next time when I have thousands or tens of thousands of people, I'm even going to be more unapologetic. I'm going to scream it from the mountaintops, you know, because I always look at this in terms of what I post on social, what I act, what I say, will the good outweigh the bad? I know I'm going to get some backlash. I know there's going to be people that are going to think I'm being cheap or, oh, this is not someone I want to do business with. I've even seen people say, hey, if I can't get grab a few drinks with someone and get them to unwind that's then i don't trust them sure that's the culture yeah. yeah but look man i'm sorry that that's i'm sorry that that's how you feel but i promise you even if i were to drink i'm not gonna be the, i'm gonna be the same exact person yeah. probably just louder so i don't need any sort of you know any sort of substance or inebriation to change me you know this is who i am i'm, I'm high on life baby what more do you want from me man so if you're if you're Unsure, unsure or uncertain about being unapologetic, start small, mm. you know, start with just posting to your friends and your family and then maybe talk to one person about it, maybe talk to a group of five, maybe talk to a group of 10. So when you get that platform and you get that opportunity to share your beliefs and your vision to other people, it comes naturally. Yeah. That's beautiful, man. I think it, it happened multiple times I've been with you. We were in, and you probably don't even remember this time, but there's a, at one point we were doing something and somebody said uh, if you to, to the employees our team like if you don't perform well or something like that I'm gonna fire you I'm gonna get you fired and you were like you can fire your team but nobody's firing my team you know yeah. that to you it was like a joking thing but let people know like I'm loyal to my team no matter what like these are my people they're gonna be this is like my family you don't fire family so just like those little moments of integrity not letting anything slip through the cracks you know. Uh, I think that's it's, it's profound. It's a profound character to have, and I think it, it's, it's a reason for for success for creating a culture. Because uh, it's one thing to attract talent and attract talented people; it's nothing to be able to keep them with the system that's and right. culture that you have. I, yeah. I think you attract good talent with money. Yeah. I think you attract people initially with money and with the benefits, so benefits, compensation, incentives, all in one package, right? So even if your starting salary is not that high, I can show you a path over the next three to five years where you can make an obnoxious amount of money. So you attract someone with that because people really do are, are financially motivated. Mm -hmm. You attract people with money, but you keep them with culture. Mm -hmm. So if you have a good culture, you have systems for education, continued learning and training and development of people. And you're, you realize you're in the personal development space. You take care of your people. They're going to stay. They're, you don't even have to worry about them going somewhere else. In fact, you can even make them famous. You can make all of your team members famous. And they're going to be loyal to you. And if you realize that someone has the potential to start their own business or do something, you know what you do? You inspire them and you motivate them and you tell them you're going to be their first customer. I had my, one of my best paralegals last year quit and start their own uh, used car business. So what do we do? We throw them a going away party, a, a new business party, yeah, yeah. you know, because that's what I would have wanted people to do for me, you know? I, bro, come on, man. Like, we, we're in this together, you know what I mean? And if I have a, if we had this conversation with you, I know that you're not gonna be with me forever. I know that. I know what your personality is like. I know, that, I know what your potential is, bro. I know that you're probably gonna give me maybe like three years. That'd be great. Five would be amazing, but maybe three. During those three years, we have to work towards building a system and an organization and a company that you can take and run with if you want it. Mm 
But I know that you're going to eventually get to a point where you're like, okay, I've tapped out in the type of knowledge and resources and benefit that I get from being here. Now it's time for me to spread my wings and try my own thing. So I recognized that. I said, you know what? How about you just give me a couple of years, just work with me, help me build this thing up, and I promise you I'm going to take care of you. If you want to build the digital donation infrastructure and the, the nonprofit donation campaigns that I want to have for all of the mosques and nonprofit organizations in the country, and we can have mil hundreds of millions and billions of dollars worth of donations and impacts run through that organization, you can have it. But let's build it together. Because the law firm is just the first successful business that I've had. It's not the only one, God willing. It's just the first. And I'm only going to get better at starting businesses, identifying talent, finding the right people to fill in these roles. And this is an experiment. I'm trying this. I'm trying out, hey, what's it like? Let's just try this for a couple of years and see what happens. Because I'm starting to think of things in long term. Five years, 10 years, 20 years. What's it going to be like if we work together for a few years and 10 years down the road? Are you going to be the type of person that I'm be very thankful that I helped you and kind of uplifted you? Or are you going to be the type of person that's going to take advantage of me and backstab me? I would rather invest in people and have a small likelihood that it can blow up in my face um, versus investing in them and then they stick around and they impact the world at a massive scale. And that's what I see in you, bro. Appreciate that, man. I see the same thing in you, actually. And that's why I'm here, man, you know, building with you. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. I know a lot coming from my background, a lot of times we have the talent. You know, we have the creativity. You see that in the particular African-American community. But the resources aren't there and the know-how isn't there. Um, so I know as, a, as, a, as a also, you know, a son of an immigrant, where did you pick up on these skills that would allow you to be a successful businessman? A lot of the time, the conversations I have with my colleagues that are, if, you, if, if, if talent was to be monetized, they would be trillionaires, brilliant individuals, creative, can come up with the, 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 the most amazing pieces, comedy, poets, singers. But artists is the starving artist life. We're broke because we have all this talent, but how do we monetize that? And I think we can go on to the next episode talking about niches and things of this nature, but where did you hone and learn this business acumen? Like you talk about so haphazard, like, oh yeah, I... At 18, I built this company. At you know, 17, I was buying and selling. And you had this business structure and business model. Where did you get that from? Is it reading? Is it influenced by some pe people in your life? Where did you pick up on these skills? So I'm actually going to keep this for another episode because this, that next podcast is going to talk about the practice versus the business. Mm -hmm. So I'm writing this down. There's a huge difference between the practice of what you do and the business of what you do. There's a difference between the practice of medicine and the business of medicine. Mm -hmm. The practice of accounting, the business of accounting. The practice of art and the business of art. Mm -hmm. The practice of law and the business of law. And so it's really important to identify whether you're a practitioner or whether you're the business person. Mm -hmm. And so... Just to kind of like give you a little teaser, some people are just practitioners and they're not good salespeople, they're not good business people, they're not good talent acquirers. They just know how to do the work really, really well and that's it. That's great, but that's not enough mm -hmm. because you can be the best practitioner in the world. You can be the best artist, you can be the best writer, you can be the best poet, you can be the best house builder in the world. But if no one knows about you, then you're not the best. That's it. So understanding whether you're in the practice of something or the business of something is huge. So we're going to have an entire show on just the practice of business and the business okay. because I think that's going to be a really important differentiation for the people that are great practitioners. Sometimes you need to partner up with those business people mm -hmm. that are like-minded uh, or not like-minded, but actually, you know, complete opposite-minded. Um, and then sometimes you just need to acquire those skills so that you can build a team around you. So, yeah, understand what your weaknesses are, man. Like, I, I love technology. I love data. I love um, utilizing computers and machine learning and artificial intelligence. I'm I, With the metaverse and NFTs and crypto, like, all of this stuff is really, really fascinating to me. But I'm not the practitioner. Mm. No, I'm the guy that, that's just going to learn just enough to be able to assemble the right team in the right places yeah. and let it roll. So, you know, what's crazy for me is that I've been over the past 10 years around like extremely successful people, like, you know, millionaires, some, some billionaires. And 
they all think the same way, speak the same way. And uh, as an artist, like a lot of, I've been in these places and spaces in, in the capacity of artistry, and they're like, yo, you're brilliant, you have potential, you have all these things. I'm like, why am I, what am I missing? You know, what, what's, what's missing out? What am I missing out on that hasn't taken me to that level of financial success that I see some of my contemporaries on, you know? So I guess that perhaps goes on in the practitioner of the business, uh, or the practitioner of the art or the um, whatever whatever it is that you're, that you're engaging in and also looking at it from a business model standpoint. Um, and how do you consolidate that in your mind? Because I could see you clearly, you have a, a bit of artistry as well, like acting the way you speak, a charisma, but how do you sort of, you know, prioritize one over the other. Like, no, I'm going to be a CEO as opposed to a litigator. I'm not going to be in court every day engaging in it because it may look fun and may, whatever the case may be, but it's not lucrative. Well, there's, uh, there are certain industries that are financially lucrative. And then there are other industries that you just can't make money in. Mm -hmm. And you just have to make sure that the passions that you have aren't all going to lead you to... <laughs> you know, being poor. Uh, you need to have some passions and so, that's why purpose is important, you know, but you need to have some passions that make you money and then you need to learn how to sell. Honestly, uh, if you, I'll give you the, the blueprint is very simple. Learn how to sell a very difficult product or service on a commission only basis. That's how you succeed in business. You need to learn how to sell shit to a toilet. You need to sell ice to an Eskimo. You need to sell, learn how to sell really exceptional salespeople have a superpower mm. of persuasion. Yeah. I really genuinely believe that I have the ability to persuade people at such deep levels that it's almost a superpower. Wow. And I, I actually tone it down because I can kind of tell when someone needs something, when I want to help them with something. Mm. And some people make bad decisions because they're not educated. They just don't know any better. Some people, you can very easily persuade to buy something that they don't need. And when I realized that I had the superpower, honestly, that's what kind of took me out of the car audio business wow. even more. Because I was selling stuff that was a luxury that you don't really need. And I got so good at sales that I could talk to you for a few minutes and know exactly how much money was in your pocket. Wow. And so many times I would literally go up to the cash register, ring you up, and all the money you took out, was exactly what the total was. Wow. I have so many situations like that. Because I could, I could read people. I can feel the way that you talk and the way that you respond, mm -hmm. how much of it is bullshit and how much of it is this guy got real money. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like that superpower was being wasted in an industry where as much as I enjoyed it, it could have been dangerous. Because there were so many people that would come in during tax season, they would blow four or five grand on a new set of rims, new and then come back a few weeks later and say, hey man, I ran out of money, can you buy my stuff back? Mm -hmm. And me being a business person, it's like, okay, well, I can't pay you retail for what, but I'll, I'll buy it at closeout wholesale pricing. Mm -hmm. They'll come back and buy this, this and sell me the same stuff that they bought a few weeks prior. So I realized that I wasn't doing a service for the community. Mm -hmm. Like, this was a superpower, I wanted to use it for good. Yeah, wow. And, you know, there are salespeople that don't realize their potential. There are exceptional salespeople and they stay in an industry that isn't really benefiting society. So I've been in groups of professional salespeople. And if some of those salespeople became lawyers, man, they would, they would just wow. take over. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, and so I, I'm just, I'm happy that I was able to pivot and realize that if it, if it doesn't make me feel good on the inside, then I don't want to sell it. And that, that's really, that, that's really uh, another very important point, which is in order to sell successfully, you have to believe in your product or service so much that if the person doesn't buy from you, you genuinely feel sorry for them. Mm. You're like, I cannot believe that I am going to let you go without buying this product or service because you really, really need it. Yeah. I believe in this product so much that I cannot allow you to not buy it. That's how I feel about being a personal injury lawyer. Because I genuinely feel like no matter who I talk to, I'm not going to take your case unless I know I'm going to add value to your case. And this podcast is not about personal injury. It's just law, life, and business. But because I built that confidence, I can sell literally 
anyone on my services without even trying because they can feel the confidence. You can't fake that confidence. So for artists, I say you need to have confidence in asking for money, confidence in valuing your product or your service. Hey, if I'm gonna draw a mural for you, how much was the going rate? Five grand? All right, my price is 10. Why are you 10? Because I'm the best. I promise you, when you make that first sale, everything gets easier. You gotta make that first sale. Get comfortable with the uncomfortable and then keep pushing it. I was selling tickets to my event for 10 grand. Yeah, sure. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. $10,000 to attend a summit yeah. to learn from a lawyer yeah. when most CLEs are like 50 bucks or 100 bucks. Why would I pay 10 grand to come? Because I'm the best. Yeah. And the value is there, man. More than $10,000 value. So next year is going to be 15. Yeah. And we're going to keep pushing it. The first year I did talk, speak with CEO lawyer, it was like $500 an hour. Then I bumped it up to 1,000, then 1,500. Now I think it's $3,000 an hour to talk to me. Why? Because the value's there, because I'm the best. I know, I don't have to sell you on it. You don't want it, don't worry about it. Just leave it alone and come back next year when the price is double. Because yesterday's price ain't today's price. And, today's price. and artists need to have that same sort of confidence. I have, I have the same back and forth with uh, one of the guys on my team, he's a web developer. and. He really, he quit his job making six figures to go and start his own company. And then he does a lot of our web development and he's very shy about asking for money. Yeah, yeah. And I get so angry with him because I'm like, and, and I'm going to close with this because this, this went on for a long time, but here's, here's how I think about sales and about the work that you do. If you are an expert in your field and someone does not buy from you, then you have failed at serving your community. You have to genuinely feel like you've failed yourself and your community because someone did not get the best of the best. Wow, wow. On top of that, when it comes to closing on the back end and actually collecting the money, if you don't get paid what you're worth, you're taking food out of your kids' mouths. Mm. You're taking money out of your family's pockets, out of your family's bank account, out of your ability to support your family, take them to college and everything because you didn't collect on that money. If you're the best, then people deserve to have your product. And then if you don't get paid on it, you're cheating your family. That's how you have to think of it. So no, I don't, I don't care about the extra five bucks or 10 bucks because I used to plug tires when I was eight years old. Someone come in, they get a nail on the side of the road. Yeah, I'll come and plug your tire, give me the five bucks. If they paid me for, it wasn't about, oh, can I actually do for? No, it's about the idea. It's about the principle. The principle yeah. It's the principle. Like, I have a price. I know what I'm worth. I know my value. I don't need to discount it. Go somewhere else if you think that my service is not worth that much or my product is not worth that much. But if you don't pay me what I deserve and what I earned, you're taking money out of my family's pockets. And I'm not going to let you do that. So if you're an artist, build the confidence in your skills before you start selling. And when you start selling, make sure that no matter what you collect on the principle, not because you need the money. It's the principle about collecting because that's how you value your product and service. Eventually, by doing more than what you get paid to do, you will eventually get paid more for what you do. Do more in the beginning. You might not be able to get that much money, but eventually you'll get paid more. That's it. That's the wrap. <laughs> and I think this is not for artists, man. That's for any service-based industry, man. Because you could be a, a data scientist or whatever the case may be, but if you don't have that mentality, that that mindset, and I think we need to get into like an uh, you know CEO, lawyer, mastermind, you know, just to take people to another level of consciousness. Yeah, yeah, you're going to need to write that down. No, well, look, we, I have I have like four or five different topics that we're going to, I mean, we're not going to have time to do any more of these, but I did want to just kind of like get, get this going, talk a little bit about the story, about what's going on behind my mind. And now I'm going to post this on social. And if anyone has any questions, I want them to, you know, kind of ask them. If you have any ideas, let me know. But um, this is giving me a lot of inspiration about things that I want to discuss. And I'm, I'm going to get better at it. Like this show, I'm sure, is a little rough. The first edition, you know, look, I know that this podcast that we're doing right now is probably not going to get millions and tens of millions of views. I know there's not going to be people going crazy about the content and be like, oh, man, this is so exceptional. This guy's on another level. But here's the thing. I'm doing it. We're doing it. Putting myself out there, 
We're going to try to get better at this. I promise you the next one is going to get cleaner. It's going to get a little tighter. We're going to get a nicer studio. We're going to get some better props. We're going to get some higher quality mics, cameras, lights, all that stuff. We're going to get better. But your first edition and your first run of anything that you do, if it's perfectly buttoned up, you launch too late. You can't be perfect because perfect never gets done. Done is better than perfect because perfect never gets done. I'm Ali Awad, the CEO Lawyer, with my man Yusuf Chroma. Thank you guys for joining us on the CEO Lawyer Podcast. And next time, we're going to dive deep into some serious conversations about why you might be great, but you're still broke, the practice versus the business, how to find riches in the niches and identifying that niche, how to build your brand. There's so many topics that we got coming through. You can get all the legal advice videos and all this other content on my other social channels, but this podcast is to talk about law, life, and business. I'm Ali Awad, the CEO lawyer with my man Yusuf Chroma. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you next time. Thank you.